Hi, travelers. You can listen to us on your travels on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and more. Go ahead and check out the description of this episode so you can find the link to our link tree, get access to all of our socials, as well as our YouTube channel so you can watch all of our episodes in full. Okay, today is December 2nd, Saturday, December 2nd. Uh, great show today, guys. Hubba Kush from Pro Football Weekly. He's going to come on, talk all things NFL with us. Um, you know, about a third of the season left to go, getting into the playoffs, uh, down the stretch here. Awesome interview with him. He was on about like four months ago before the season started in the NFL. And we have an awesome talk so far, breaking down the season so far with him. And then, like I said, going into the playoffs here uh, in this last stretch of the season. We'll break down our, uh, you know, NFL you know, week 13 ahead, guys, coming up like we always do. Closest game, most intriguing storyline, surprise, all of that like we always do. I do want to touch base on some quick NBA talks first. Mark Cuban, we'll start here. Mark Cuban is selling the majority stakes in the Mavericks. This report came out on Thursday. Uh, Mark Cuban will no longer be the majority owner of the Mavericks. A little weird. Uh, he will still own minority stakes and will actually be taking over a lot of the basketball operations uh, in the meantime, until the Addison group uh, gets their feet wet, basically, and uh, gets more accustomed to running an NBA team. So kind of weird overall. And I want to get your guys' thoughts on this. I mean, Mark Cuban is probably the you know most recognized sports owner in America. So I thought this was a pretty important take, a pretty important thing to talk about, especially, uh, you know, given the Mavericks and how well he's been able to turn the team around. That's interesting timing why he's selling the team to the Adelson family mm-hmm. and I'm pretty shocked that he is selling the team, obviously. And, um, yeah, I don't know what what he does in the future. Well, he seems to be scaling back on a lot of things because he's not going to be on the next season of Shark Tank either. So maybe he's just choosing, you know, what I've had my time in the spotlight. It's time to retire kind of and move on. But if he's going to have more control over the franchise, that's obviously not going to happen. Mark Cuban, I just don't expect him to go away, but I'm a little surprised at the timing. Yeah, he's going to, like I say, he's still going to, for a majority of the time, he's still going to be uh, running a lot of the basketball operations of the Mavericks because, as you said, Justin, Allison family coming in, they're buying the team, they're buying the majority stakes. Uh, They're not really familiar with running an NBA team, though, from what I hear, you know, the the vibe I get. And so until they do get their feet, uh, feet wet and, you know, they learn about running an NBA team and, you know, familiarizing themselves with the governors of the NBA, Mark Cuban will uh, still be the man in charge, so to say. I know um, a big part of the story, a big part of the reason why he wants to do this is because I do know he wants to make a new stadium for the Mavericks. Uh, He wants to make a new stadium in kind of like a casino, like inside a casino complex and bring sports betting to Vegas or to Texas, excuse me. So this is his way of trying to get uh, sports betting in Texas, get a better, uh, bigger stadium for the Mavericks as well. And he just thinks the uh, Adelson family with the money they can bring in can really, really help broker that deal. NBA season tournament, guys. Group play is finally over. Celtics, Bucks, Knicks, Pacers, Lakers, Suns, Pelicans, Pelicans and Kings all move on. Uh, I want to touch base on this real fast, uh, particularly, guys, because uh, ratings actually were a lot better than we thought they would be uh, for the NBA in-season tournament, at least the group play so far. Group play uh, happening, you know, all of November pretty much and into December here. Um, it happened on Tuesday and Friday nights, and 
viewership on Tuesday and Friday nights compared to last year in the NBA is actually up about like 19, 20%. So really surprising. And I want to, you know, I don't know if people are just <laughs> checking the courts out, tuning in to look at the courts. Like, what are you guys thoughts on this? I mean, it, it kind of blew us away because we really thought this was going to be a big failure for the NBA. And it actually ended up bringing in a lot of new faces and a lot of new fans and viewership uh, early in the NBA season when a lot of people don't tend to tune in. Yeah, well, there. I think there's the curiosity factor. I think that's the biggest aspect of this. But, I mean, think about the smaller teams, not the ones that are expected to compete for an NBA title, but this is a big deal for, you know, the Indiana Pacers. It could be a big deal for the New York Knicks. It could be a big deal for teams that, you know, this could be a goal that they kind of reach early in the season, knowing they're probably not going to win a championship, but they've got something to play for. And especially for the younger guys who might be living uh, not paycheck to paycheck, but not exactly breaking the bank either the opportunity to have $100,000 or whatever is a yeah. big thing for them. And so, I mean, I would, yeah, I would qualify it as a success because if nothing else, people are talking about it. Yeah, definitely. And I'll break, I'll try my best to break down uh, the, you know, the knockout rounds coming up here in the East Celtics will visit the Pacers on Monday. Uh, Bucks will host the Knicks on Tuesday. Uh, Pelicans will head to the Kings on uh, the uh, Monday and the next, day on that Tuesday again uh, multiple games going on uh, early next week Suns will travel to the Lakers uh, in the quarterfinal round, quarter final round the winners will play the teams in their respective conferences on Thursday December 7th in Las Vegas with the finals taking place two days later on the 9th again in Las Vegas so pretty cool I'm happy for the NBA Adam Silver continues to show us that he can uh, lead the NBA to, to the righteous land and keep making improvements in the league one of the best uh, commissioners ever in sports, I would say. Uh, last thing of NBA news, I do want to break down this uh, funny little legal dispute going on between the Knicks and the Raptors. First uh, NBA, first time an NBA team is suing another NBA team. So a little bit historic here. Just to break it down, the Knicks are suing the Raptors. They're claiming that uh, a video assistant, an old video assistant that used to work for the Knicks, I'm going to botch his name, uh, Akuchukwu <laughs> Azutam. Um, he basically st stole a bunch of photos um, and gave them to the Raptors. Like he basically took a bunch of scouting videos, uh, confidential files, scouting reports, frequency files, prep books, and he basically gave them to the Raptors. This includes over 3,000 different files. And again, the Knicks, of course, being in that same division as the Raptors, that Atlantic division. Uh, obviously not very happy about this, and they are suing the Raptors. So I, I wanted to bring it up because I think a lot of people know there's a lawsuit going on, but not many people really know what the lawsuit was about, including myself until I looked it up. So any uh, any original, uh, any other like things you guys want to really talk about this? Yeah, I mean, it's a legal thing, so I don't really know a ton about it. But yeah, anytime you another team suing another, not, not all that great. Not pretty, that's for sure, and definitely... Yeah, definitely not pretty. Also, but uh, you know, I could or so Tim. Try it again. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh, let's move on to football, though, guys. Uh, let's break down Thursday night football recap real fast. Seahawks Cowboys, surprisingly awesome game. Uh, Thursday night yeah. football never has an awesome game, and we did. Uh, Dallas, I think a lot of. Um, let me ask you guys this first until we get more into the specifics. But uh, what do you guys think about this win for Dallas? Is it? I hear a lot of things coming out today. A lot of people were kind of speculating, arguing about this. 
Is this a good win or a bad win for Dallas? What do you guys What do you guys stand on this? There's no bad wins in the NFL. It's, there, there's only good wins, and this was a good win because mm-hmm. Seattle's a good team. Their record may not necessarily reflect that, especially what's coming up the next couple weeks. That's a good team. Dallas's defense didn't play their best game, yet they managed to get stops in the fourth quarter. They kind of played under some adversity at home for the first time all year. Every other home game, they've won by 20 or more points. And Dak Prescott right now might be the front runner for MVP. He has been spectacular. C.D. Lamb might be a top five receiver in the NFL. They scored 41 points, and it felt like an off game mm-hmm. for them. So, no, I, there, there's no such thing as a bad win in the NFL. And I think one of the big reasons that this game was as good as it was is because typically Thursday night games are between teams playing four days later. Yep. Both these teams had a full week in between because they both played on Thanksgiving. So I think that was a big reason why the quality of play was so That's good. That's what I thought, too. Yeah, I forgot about that. Uh, they both did play on Thanksgiving, so they had a full week off. Yeah, Prescott, though, Zach, like you said, 29 for 41, just under 300 yards at 299 and three scores. Uh, three big-time throws, too, and no really turnover-worthy plays either. Uh, I think he definitely did put himself in the MVP conversation after last or after Thursday night's game. And, I mean, that stat line doesn't even give him justice because four of those incompletions were – Pretty bad drops by his receivers, all things considered. And uh, mm-hmm. Cowboys keeping up their uh, home win streak alive. Uh, best home win streak for the Cowboys is their 18-game home win streak they had in uh, from in the 1979 to 1981 season. They now have their 14th consecutive home game. Uh, Eagles, uh, Justin, coming in next week to Dallas. Dallas, I think, has I saw they four consecutive games at home. They've scored over 40 points. Are we concerned about the Eagles coming into town uh, next week? Because I, I definitely think it's going to be a tough one uh, for the Eagles. Yeah, I think it's going to be a bit, very big game for the Eagles and and yeah. both the Cowboys as well. The Eagles playing playing pretty, uh, you know, playing teams that are coming in well rested too for for, uh, for the last few uh, last few games there and mm-hmm. playing against the Chiefs on a short. Well, after the bye week, playing against the Chiefs, then playing against the Bills, uh, short short work week. Now the 49ers come in well-rested on Sunday and then going to Dallas next Sunday night. They're, they're uh, coming off a Thursday night game for them. So, uh, so yeah. for the Eagles, they got to win one of these two games. They got to beat San Francisco or Dallas or win both, which best-case scenario, but – win one or two and they're in pretty good position for the number one seed and the division title. Yeah. I just keep getting frustrated by how uh, inconsistent the Seahawks are. I mean, they played, obviously they played amazing last night. Geno Smith played amazing or Thursday night. Geno Smith played well, 334 pass yards and three touchdowns all to DK Metcalf. Uh, DK finished with 134 himself. Um, Yeah. Cowboys, though, starting on this gauntlet they have coming up. This is really where the Cow- – I mean, we talked about it on uh, Thursday's show, and I think even maybe on Tuesday's show as well. This is really where the Cowboys have to really prove themselves because they have a gauntlet coming up uh, in their schedule, and they've really only been beating down on bad teams so far. So we'll see how they can do these next four games coming up. Week 13, let's preview it, coming up on Sunday, tomorrow. Uh, closest game of the week, as we always start, Zach, and we'll begin with you. What's your closest game of the week? Well, I'm going to save the more intriguing game for later, but I think the closest game is going to be the Broncos and the Texans. I think these are two teams that could be fighting for one of the last spots in the AFC playoffs. And you talk about teams that are doing it different ways. The Broncos have been largely doing it with their defense, which is crazy to think about after they gave up a 70 spot against the Dolphins earlier in the year. But their defense over the last five games has been great. They've shut down Patrick Mahomes, shut down Josh Allen. 
this has been one of the best defenses in the NFL, and they're going up against C.J. Stroud, Tank Dell, and an offense that throws the ball about 40 times per game. Even the run game's gotten a little bit better the last couple of weeks. So this is an intriguing game. I think it's an ultimate clash of styles. I think it's going to be a four-quarter game that goes down to the wire because it seems like pretty much every Bronco and every Texan game has done that this season. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Eagles 49ers. I mean, no surprise here. That, that might be your most intriguing game, Zach, but two. But Eagles uh, and 49ers um, – Eagles are 3-0 in their own gauntlet. We talked about the Cowboys. I mean, they beat the Cowboys, they beat the Chiefs, and they beat the Bills. And now this is the fourth team in this gauntlet that the Eagles have coming up. Last meeting, of course, uh, conference championship game uh, last year. Uh, 49ers had pretty much everyone injured at that time. We all know that. Uh, Purdy is leading the NFL right now in passer rating, yards per attempt, and completion percentage. Hurts obviously also playing like an MVP, though. He's on a streak of 14 consecutive victories against teams with winning records. Hertz's and 49ers, of course, are one of those teams. So I do think Niners are the favorites. Well, they well they are the favorites in Vegas, and uh, I I think they actually will end up winning this game too. Niners winners of the last three straight games by an average of 19.3 points. Uh, that's insane. I mean, they've been literally beating teams by almost 20, an average of 20 points the last three games. Debo Samuel's out for blood. He's been calling out Bradbury. Uh, Hassan Reddick been calling out the team as well. This is going to be the best uh, game of the week, I think, uh, along with the Broncos uh, and Texans, Zach, like you said. But it's battle of the best teams in the NFC and likely, likely the winner of the one seed, too, as, especially as we head on to the end of the season. Uh, Justin, what is your closest game of the week? I'm going to go Broncos-Texans. I think this is going to be yeah. a very close game, as Zach said, and I think this is going to be – this is going to be a wild card battle. This is going to be this. These two teams could potentially be AFC wild card teams with the way things are going in uh, in the AFC. The Texans having a much better year, and the Broncos also having a much better year after starting off one and five or one and four was I think. And uh, there are it's it's going to be a big game actually. It's going to be a big game in Houston. Never thought we would say that at the beginning of the year. Uh, let's go on. Most intriguing storyline. What is your most intriguing storyline heading into Sunday? Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about it. It's the 49ers and the Eagles. Because if Philadelphia wins this game, you can pretty much lock them up for the number one seed in the NFC because they'll be three clear of the Niners plus tiebreaker. And they could even afford to drop one to Dallas and still be in good position to win the NFC East and get the number one seed. For the 49ers, if they want a chance to host the NFC playoffs, they need to win this game. There's no doubt about it. Not to mention all the bad blood that exists between these teams. The 49ers making all those comments after they got blown out in Philadelphia last year without a quarterback. You know, Debo Samuel calling out James Bradbury, Trent Williams being uh, available now, Christian McCaffrey being available. Now that the 49ers are playing with a quarterback, this game should be a lot more competitive. Remember, it was 10-7 at one point in the second quarter before Mm -hmm. Brock Purdy and just got hurt, and there was no chance that the 49ers were ever going to be able to throw a forward pass in that game. So I expect a lot of intrigue. I expect it to be a much closer game. And this is one that the 49ers have been waiting for 10 months to play. And for the Eagles, do you wonder a little bit with all the big games they play, not that they're going to have a letdown, but maybe the 49ers might be a little bit fresher at the end of this game than the Eagles will be, especially with an extra three days because they played on Thanksgiving. So th- this might be the best remaining yep. regular season game of the year. It's either that or, you know, the Eagles-Cowboys yep. next week. Uh-huh. Yep. Uh, I'm going to continue on. I mean, we've only been we've been touching on the same two games, but I'm going to continue on uh, Broncos and Texans for my most intriguing game. I mean, uh, really, who's going to end up – who's going to – is any team after this weekend going to continue on that winning streak? I mean, the Cowboys are – excuse me, the Broncos and the Eagles now – have a, are tied for a five-game win streak. And I want to see if the Broncos can keep make it six. 
offense has been looking really, really good for the Broncos, or, or decent, I should say, at least for the Broncos, compared to how they started the season. It's their defense, though, stepping up. I mean, I know Russell Wilson has been playing a lot better, too. He's being he's back to being a, you know, not, I'm not going to say he's back, but he's definitely back to being like he was at least a little bit in Seattle. Um, yeah, Broncos find ways to win games, though. They've been doing it, like I said, the last five games. Offensive line um, absolutely manhandled the Browns' defense last week. The Broncos need to follow that recipe this week coming up in order to have a chance to win against the Texans. So, um, I mean, this is playoff implications, as we already kind of talked about, Zach. And whoever wins this game uh, very well might get that last spot in the AFC. So it's going to be a huge, huge matchup. Russell Wilson needs to play well. This year, I mean, alone, he's having 20 touchdowns with only four interceptions and uh, and has – 2,200 yards of total offense. Uh, he's been scoring consistently, too, and taking care of the ball in the process. Like I said, only four interceptions to so his 20, uh, 20 touchdowns. So defense has to step up. They've been being a little inconsistent lately, uh, but have been playing good, all things considered, especially compared to the start of the year. Uh, Justin, what's your most intriguing storyline? Are the Lions going to be able to bounce back from uh, Thanksgiving Day? They're going to New Orleans on the road, and uh, Jared Goff, Hasn't been too impressive in the last two games. He's turned the ball over a lot, losing to the Packers, almost losing to the Bears at home. Does this continue for the Lions as they go to New Orleans, play the Saints, who are 5-6, and six, just coming off a loss against the Falcons? At home. Now they're going to be at home against the Lions, who are 1-1, mm-hmm. and one, obviously, in the last two. But Jared Goff hasn't been playing like he has at the beginning of the year or through the midway point of the year. It's a turnover. It's like we said before, he mm-hmm. took care of the yeah. ball so well, and then all of a sudden he's just having all these turnovers. It's crazy. Uh, surprise of the week. Zach, what's your surprise of the week? What do you see as a potential upset? Yeah, Justin brought, just brought the game up. I'm going with the Saints to knock off the Lions. I don't know if I trust the Lions right now, especially with the way that they're turning the ball over. And this feels like a desperate game for the Saints. If they're going to stay in the NFC South race right now, the Falcons hold the tiebreaker over them. I think Derek Carr in the red zone has to be better. I think they're going to be this week. And, you know, we always know how tough it is to play in the Superdome. The Lions are not the same team on the road that they are at home. So I'm going to go with the Saints at home to knock off the Lions. It's four and a half point underdogs. Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Flacco. Uh, maybe winning against the Rams. Obviously, the Browns, I think, are better than the Rams, but not particularly with Joe Flacco at quarterback. 38 years old now. Uh, DTR most likely won't play for the Browns, so it will be Joe Flacco, the 38-year-old to start. Offensive line has to step up for the Browns. Uh, Joe Flacco, uh, as we can you can imagine, is not mobile right now, so he's the offensive line is going to have to give him all the time in the world. But if they can do that and he's comfortable in the pocket, can you know get some nice throws in, Browns definitely have a chance to win over the Rams, who Rams have been playing pretty well, uh, all things considered. Defense has been a problem for the Rams, but the offense has been really, really hot as of late. And uh, Browns defense is just a different breed, of course. And I think the Browns defense will be able to halt uh, the Rams offense success that they've been having lately. So, yeah, this is going to be my surprise of the week. Give me the Browns over the Rams, uh, despite how the Rams have been playing lately. Yeah, I think uh, Joe Flacco. We'll, we'll get it done. Pretty, we don't really know how it's gonna how he's gonna play. It's been a long time since he's suited up, but I'm excited to see him play. Like I said, DTR most likely will not be uh, be playing for the Browns with that injury. So, yeah, Flacco over the Rams over uh, Stafford. Give me that, Justin. What's your your surprise of the week? I actually got two games that could be potential upsets. Number one, I have the Eagles. I think the Eagles at home 
in but basically weather conditions are going to be playing a factor here with the 49ers. A lot of people are talking about the Niners have rests. They do. They're coming in more rested than the Eagles. But the Eagles at home have more of an advantage. And the Niners, I mean, they're not used to playing in those weather conditions. It's going to be rainy in Philadelphia on Sunday, just like it was with the Bills and the Eagles. But I think this is going to be a factor for the 49ers. And another game that could be a potential upset, Packers over the Chiefs. The yeah. Chiefs, I, I think the Chiefs have been, you know, one, well, obviously they're one and one of the last two, but going into Lambeau, it's, there's definitely going to be weather conditions there too. The Packers, I'm starting to think that the Packers might be able to get a wild card in the NFC with the way they're playing, with the way they played at Detroit. They beat the Chargers at home. Can they upset the Chiefs? They very well could. So two potential upsets are the Eagles over the 49ers and the Packers over the Chiefs for me this weekend. Yeah, Jordan Love's been playing pretty good the last couple of games. So we'll, we'll see what he can do. Uh, uh, shootout of the week. Let's go to shootout of the week. Zach, who do you, what do you have being a high-score game this week? Broncos-Texans. I think Russell Wilson and C.J. Stroud are about to have at it. I think the Broncos' defense, as good as it is, I think they're going to bend a little bit this week. I think Stroud, you know, he seems to be good for at least three touchdown passes every week now. So I'm going to take the Broncos and Texans as a shootout. I'm going to go Dolphins-Commanders. Sam Howell, I mean, he's been playing inconsistent, but the games he does play well, he he balls out. I mean, he posted at least 300 passing yards in four of his last five games. That included, of course, the 325 against the Patriots. Uh, he has just under 3,350 passing yards on the season um, and, you know, pretty good TD, TD to interception ratio too. Terry McLaren has been playing awesome for the for the commanders, uh, has brought in just under 700 receiving yards for the season. Like I said, offense is inconsistent, but they show up when it's needed, and I think it's going to be needed against the Dolphins. And uh, like I said, Dolphins don't even need an introduction to why they're good on offense. Uh Passing game, running game, doesn't really matter. Tua playing amazing. Uh, so, yeah, if, if Sam Howe and the Washington offense that, you know, we see from time to time uh, shows up and plays when they need to, which I think they will against Miami, it's going to be a high-scoring game, and it's going to be a really fun game to watch too. Justin, what is your shootout of the week? I'm going to go back to Green Bay with the Packers and the Chiefs. I think this is going to be a very high-scoring game. Jordan Love, as I just said, as we just said, playing very well. In the previous two games, I think this is going to be a very, very high scoring game with the Chiefs and the Packers. I don't think it'll be low scoring. I think it's going to be a 34, look at a 34 31 game or a 37 34 game. Snoozer of the week, opposite end. Uh, Zach, what's your snoozer of the week? Uh, Chargers, Patriots. One coach is already getting fired. The other coach might be past his prime. New England has basically mailed it in by now. And the Chargers, not on the on the road, they're typically not very good, especially when you're playing a 10 a.m. game that has sleep written all over it for them. This game is going to be a snoozer. Yeah, Staley, Staley's fired if they lose this game. I think I don't. I know it's he's gone already. Yeah. Well, do you think they'll wait till end of the season? At this, I mean, at this point, why not? Because I don't think they're gonna, yeah, I think they will. They're not going to make the playoffs at this point. Um, mm-hmm. My snoozer of the week, Panthers Bucks. Um, I'm going to go with Panthers Bucks. Um, obvious reasons. Bucks have been playing very bad. Panthers are one in ten, uh, absolutely underperforming. Young has only completed 61.7 percent of his passes. He's been playing absolutely terrible this whole year. I think he will bounce back. He will end up being a good quarterback, but 
been having a really, really bad uh, first year so far. Uh, Panthers, uh, just offense alone, just without even Bryce Young is terrible. They rank 30th in total yards per game, uh, 29th in points per game. Uh, as a team, they only, they're only 28th in rushing with only an average of 92.6 yards per contest in 20th. Uh, with 173 passing yards per game. Just absolutely terrible, terrible offense. And Bucks, like I said, are equally as bad. Had a good start to the season, but they're really feeling the effects of Brady Brady leaving. And uh, Baker Mayfield just is not getting it done. I mean, they themselves, the Bucks themselves, ranked 22nd in yards per game, uh, 24th in points per game, and uh, 31st, almost dead last in rushing yards per game. So, yeah, this is going to be an ugly contest. Uh, both offenses are struggling. And this this game will likely hit the under, which is currently at 36 and a half. Justin, what is your snoozer of the week? I'm going to go Jets Falcons. Two backup, well, really two backup, well, really the Falcons, I guess, Ritter's their starting quarterback. But Tim Boyle obviously being in there for the Jets. That, that game's going to be an absolute snoozer. Weather conditions will play a factor. The Falcons being a dome team, the Jets being outside. Obviously, the Northeast is going to have some rain. This weekend, but the Jets and Falcons, that that game's going to be an absolute snoozer. Favorites of the week. Zach, we'll start with you. Who is your favorite of the week? Uh, My favorite of the week, I'm going to take the Dolphins on the road against the Commanders. Uh, Miami beats the bad teams. The Commanders are not particularly good. Can't protect the quarterback. And I'm going to take the Dolphins. Uh, they're they're gonna it's gonna be a shootout, but Miami is built to win those kind of games, so I'm taking the Finns. I'm gonna go back to my favorite. Go back to what we already talked about a little bit. Uh, pa- tra- Chargers over the Patriots. Uh, it's a must win at this. I mean, at this point of the season for the Chargers to have any chance, to even have sniffed the playoffs at this point. Uh, Staley, like I said, might lose his job if they lose if they lose this game. So, Patriots worst team in the NFL. No talent on the roster at all, really. Um, maybe besides Stevenson, but besides that, incompetent QB play. Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi, equally bad. Bailey Zappi actually had flashes last year, but kind of came back to the earth uh, over these last couple of games when he's been playing over Mac Jones. Um, Zappi will get the start, but obviously, like I just said, won't matter. Chargers have been bad this season too, but they really, like I said, need to win this game. Patriots only averaged 13.4 points a game. Um, which should, you know, it's going to be hard to keep up with the Chargers who average, you know, close to 25 a game. So, yeah, this is going to give me the Chargers over this game. Must win. Um, and, yeah, they're going to be dominant over New England uh, this Sunday. Justin, what is your uh, favorite of the week? Favorite of the week, I'm going to go Jaguars over the Bengals. The Bengals, their season's over. Their season's over. Let's obviously face it. Joe Burrow going down for the year. It, it's easy. It's over. Yeah. Jacksonville. Definitely at an eight and three team leading the AFC South. I think Jacksonville's going to win this game easily at home against against the Burrowless Bengals. I think we covered them all. I don't think we really touched on um, Pittsburgh. Errors. Did we touch on Pittsburgh, Arizona? I don't really think so. I don't really know much to really no. say about that. Yeah, and, there's not much to say yeah, about no. that game. Yeah. The Steelers' yeah. offense stinks, but their defense probably won't allow Arizona to score more than yeah. a field goal. Colts, Titans. We didn't. We kind of. Did we touch on that? No, no I don't think. I don't think so. Not real. No, I think the Colts continue their momentum. Titans have not been playing all that well lately, especially offensively. And even without Jonathan Taylor, Zach Moss has been one of the best running backs in football. So I think the Colts continue their run. Terrible away. Uh, Titans are terrible on the road, but good at home. Yeah. So we'll, that, that could be a factor. 
Writer's block. Zach, we'll start with you. What is your writer's block of the week heading into our interview with Hub? Yeah, anybody who thinks Florida State's not making the playoffs if they win this game tonight against Louisville, it will be tonight at the time you hear this. Um, Florida State wins that game. They're 13-0, conference champion, Power 5 conference champ. They're not getting left out. No matter how ugly it is, no matter how bad it looks, 13-0 is 13-0. They're going to get their opportunity. Whether they're one of the four best teams in the country or not, you can have an argument about whether it should be the four best teams or the four most deserving teams. But under the current system, no undefeated Power 5 champ has ever been left out, and it's not going to happen this time if Florida State goes out and gets it done. What about Rodemaker, though, even if you think he's injured? I kind of know. A, yeah. Yeah. Well, even with that, I think he's a freshman. I'm not saying, I, I don't know if they're going to win. I'm yeah. just saying if they do, they're going to get in the playoff. No, I mean, like, if they win, but Rodemaker's even out. Uh, do you, I mean, they have a, I think a freshman playing tonight. Yeah. yeah. Well, they did let in an Ohio State team in 2014 that was down to their third string quarterback, and that turned out pretty well for them. True. Okay. Good point. Good point. Uh, my writer's block, this could also be kind of a long haul, but we'll get the long haul after the interview with Hub. Um, just all the reports with Aaron Rodgers coming back. Um, I te- it, Why is my question. I mean, there's no real reason to come back. He might come back for the last maybe game or two of the year if, if he's even lucky. And at that point, there's going to be absolutely no reason to come back because the Jets will be so far out of the playoff contention. And so I'm just, you know, all the reports I'm hearing about him coming back, he just wants to, he wants the spotlight on him like he always does. He always has in the past. Uh, he's not going to come back. There's no way he comes back. It would be dumb for him to come back just from a career perspective. It, he's just going to injure himself again and, uh, you know, might as well just wait, take the offseason off, really get healthy and, you know, come back next year full force. So, yeah, just all the reports about him, you know, a lot coming out this week, particularly, you know, especially with the Jets opening up that uh, 21 day window for him to be taken off the injury, injury list. And like I said, there's no reason. So just, I'm, you know, tired of hearing about it. Justin, what is your writer's block of the week? Well, my writer's block of the week is this uh, DK Metcalf sign language celebration. Who cares? I mean, CBS Sports just put it up today, and who cares? That's all I got to say. Yeah, played well, though, Thursday night. He did. So, hey, good for him. Uh, let's go on to our interview, guys. Hub, Hub across um, from Pro Football Weekly. Awesome interview with him. We break down, I mean, all the teams pretty much, uh, you know, surprises, uh, upsetting teams that, you know, we've had this year, getting a lot with the uh, play, uh, not play calling, refing this year, uh, just the bad calls and especially pass interference, but a lot more to come with that with him. And without further ado, let's um, head over and talk to Hubakosh and we'll see you on the other side for uh, off the map and long hauls. Okay, we now head to Chicago area, talk to Hubakosh. Uh, Hub, we had you on before, Recurring guest, I think it was back uh, beginning of the season, before the season even started, we had you on. Talk about some NFL preseason stuff, off-season moves team we're making. Want to have you on again, uh, probably about like a third of the season to go still here, uh, you know, in the NFL season, this 2023 season. It's been a weird season so far, a lot to get into. I do want to start with this, though. Might be a good place to start. I know Tom Brady came on uh, this past week, earlier this week, I think maybe over the weekend or something like that, or early this week talking about the NFL being a mediocre product. And I know it's not just him. I've heard a lot of other people say this too. I've been hearing a lot of other people say, you know, about about the NFL maybe not being as enjoyable this year. Scoring is down. It's reaching an all-time low. I mean, we just had this Thursday night football game against Seahawks and Cowboys, which obviously was very, very high scoring and very enjoyable. But overall, what is your opinion on his comments? And like I said, all the comments we've been hearing from other people uh, throughout the league about this this year being more on the boring side, uh, less inciting. 
Well, I, I have to say, I haven't heard Tom's comments, so you know, I want to be careful with that. But um, I don't agree that it's a struggling league or, or, or that there's anything wrong with it. I do agree that it's been a very strange season, though, and, and I've been trying to figure that out the last couple of weeks as to what what the you know various reasons might be. There are always injuries, but it does seem like there have been more you know serious injuries to franchise quarterbacks and top players and so that's going to affect some things it's going to affect some of the teams that we expected to be really good like the ravens and the ben not the ravens but the uh, uh certainly the bengals and the browns um you know the 49ers during that three game losing streak had some injuries so but but injuries have always been part of the game uh, the biggest thing that I've noticed this year, to be honest with you, is that I think the officiating has been terrible. Uh, you know, it, it's almost getting hard to watch games. Uh, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of possible reasons for that. Uh, but there's no question in my mind that the officiating has been poor, uh, particularly with pass interference. I don't know if any official even knows what the rules are anymore with pass interference, the way those things are getting called. Um but, you know, and then with all the young quarterbacks playing because of the injuries, you know, you see some teams performing differently then. So a very different year, but I, I wouldn't necessarily agree that the NFL lost any of its quality. I, I think that's still there and it'll start to come back as we get closer to the playoffs. I hope so, because then we'll all enjoy the games more. You don't think there's been more pass interference calls to try to get more scoring, do you, as a potential to get more scoring? You know, I, I, I can't give it a reason. Um, uh, I, I've talked to folks about it. I've talked to mostly NFL people who are also concerned about it. And I know one of the issues, and you have to be careful with this because you don't want anybody to think that, you know, you're being unfair or unreasonable, but there has definitely been a move in recent years to try and hire uh, my more minority officials, more female officials. That doesn't mean that they're not just as good. I, I, I can't say that. I haven't studied the officials to say where the problems are coming from, but there is definitely a larger group of new officials who are a little different from the way they've hired people in the past. And I know that the, the, you know, league owners and, and, and folks are talking about it and trying to figure out if that is part of the problem or not. Um, but I do know that there's a lot of conversation at the NFL offices about concerns about the quality of officiating, but I don't think anybody's put their hand yet on exactly what the problem is. Yeah, I mean, it should be, regardless, I mean, it, they might just be new hires. I mean, it, they might just not be as seasoned as the referees were used to seeing in the past, and they might just be new, and that might be the problem. But regardless, it's supposed to be a very linear process i mean they they have this rule book written down to the t literally i mean about what is you know you know what's pass interference what's not pass interference it should be very very detailed as far as what the refs should be ca uh, calling but yet it still seems like it's so objective uh, and so are subjective i should say subjective uh, when they make these calls well i think that's exactly the problem uh, or part of, a big part of the problem and you know we as as well, media but also as fans you know, are going to have our own opinions and, and, you know, we're not always going to be right, but I think it's pretty obvious from the number of challenges we're seeing, the, the, the time that's being invested in getting these calls right. And then when they challenge them and is, you know, from where I'm watching still don't always get them right. That that's where it becomes a real concern about the consistency and, and, you know, the, the pass interference is the most obvious because it's the one that seems to be called the most differently, depending on who's calling them. You, you know, holding uh, is another one that, that you're seeing 
you know, more around where people aren't sure if it should have been called or not. Uh, but I think it's just something that the NFL, I know, is already investigating and is going to have to make some changes to and, and put some things in place to improve it again. They will. They always do. You know, the NFL is still the number one sport out there and uh, they'll figure it out. But I think it's had a big impact on the season so far. Yeah, it's almost I mean, you've, this might be hard personnel wise and might be a little bit expensive, but you you figure what there's probably 10 games going on at one time or well, in the one o'clock slot, there's might be like, you know, five, six, seven, eight games going on at one time but it's almost would be interesting to see a panel of refs that can vote on a call because everything is reviewable now we can we have cameras everywhere we can review everything it would almost be interesting to see like a panel of refs uh you know review these calls and make a vote and maybe like a you know a five five person collection of uh, refs that can vote on you know these calls and at least they'll make it a little bit more fair to people they might enjoy seeing that a little bit more as opposed to just one sideline ref making the final decision you know what I mean? Well, yeah, I know what you mean, and it's not a bad idea. The problem there, though, with the NFL, the one thing that they're always very careful about, one of the reasons they've been so successful, is they don't want to acknowledge or admit to anything being wrong or any issues, you know, sure. and so putting something like that in place would be a blatant acknowledgement that we're not doing this very well. So uh, I doubt that they would they would go in that direction. The thing that I don't understand is, regardless of who the officials are, you know, the pass interference rules are written. We know what pass interference should be and shouldn't be. And you said the most important thing is that I think it's being called arbitrarily by, by a lot of these officials as to what they think should be pass interference. Um, and and I think that's where the league's focus is right now in trying to figure that out. Again, it's not the only, pass interference is not the only problem, uh, but it is the most obvious and the biggest. And, and I think what it goes back to, because this has been annoying me for uh, 11 months now, is I still think that the Eagles would have and should have won the Super Bowl if that official hadn't blown the pass interference call with a minute something left, you know, and and, and that it's almost as if that kicked it off and then coming into the season, you know, I'm not saying anybody intentionally has those concerns, but it seems to have escalated a lot during the course of this season. You say before we, you know, we'll, we'll actually get into the teams and the actual games here in a second. But my last question on this topic, you, you kind of say how the NFL doesn't want to admit fault and I and I get that I totally get that but don't you think fans would like to see them at least trying something I know why I know why you say that and why the NFL would be afraid to you know implement new things because like you said it would be them admitting fault but I, I my viewpoint is I think fans would like to see them trying something different I think they would they would welcome it don't you yeah and I don't I'm not accusing the league of having any problem with that I think the league wants to get it right but, you know, another one of their major focus has been shortening the length of games and getting them played quicker. And, and, and I know that they're focused on that right now. And anything they do to try and improve the officiating is going to take more time. And, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to impact something else that they're trying to do, which is to make games a little shorter and go a little quicker. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure why that's all that important, to be honest with you. I've never... Well, I shouldn't say never, but rarely do I say, wow, this game is taking too long. You know, you sit there, you watch the game sure. when it's over, it's over. Um, but I do know that that's part of the concern with them is they don't want to do too much. Uh, you know, they, they, they one time, don't yeah. want to make changes where they don't need changes. Mm -hmm. Especially at one time, all at once, too many changes. Well, let's go into the actual teams here. Let's actually break down the NFL, talk about officiating, very important uh, officiating. Like I, I totally admit, it's I, I agree with you. Uh, it's a big problem that they have to figure out. But let's start with the NFC. Um, I'll ask you this kind of 
start us off here. I mean, I'm an Eagles fan. I'm from Philadelphia. But even I say the Eagles are not the best team in the NFC. Uh, despite the record, they have the best record. I still think it's either Dallas or 49ers. What do you make of the NFC this year? Uh, a lot of surprises. I mean, Seahawks have, been, have not been playing as good. Uh, Lions obviously have probably the best season they've had in forever, it seems like. And what is your just overall impression on the NFC? Like, who do you think is the best team despite the record? And, um, you know, what, what has been your take on the NFC so far? Well, you know, I think it's interesting that you mentioned Dallas and San Francisco because I can't explain that 49er three-game losing streak. You know, I, I thought at the start of the year and coming in in the first five weeks, they were the best team in the NFL, and then they were just bad for three weeks. And now they've come back, and in the last three, they, they look like the 49ers again. You know, yeah. you, you look at Dallas, and, you know, you look at last night and barely getting by – uh, you know, Seattle and Seattle's not a bad football team. They're a good football team, but, but that's it, you, you know, and I'm not so sure. I mean, record wise, obviously the Eagles are the best team in the, in the uh, NFL. And, and, and I'm not so sure that even beyond the record that they aren't the best team in the NFL, because it's not about how you win or how much you win by uh, you know, a W is a W and, and I like to look at, at depth charts and rosters and talent and assume that eventually by the time we get to the playoffs, the teams with the most talent almost always are going to be the teams that are winning. And I think that we're probably still there. You know, the Chiefs have been a little difficult to figure out this year. Uh, they've won enough. Uh, they've lost a couple of games you never saw coming. Um, they're not as, I won't say not as good, but I would say not as productive on offense this year. And that's because of the drop passes. I, I have never seen an NFL team, one team with, with so many receivers dropping passes as, as, as the Chiefs have had this year. Uh, you know, so that's part of the problem there. But at the end of the day, you know, the one big change, again, I come back to Cleveland and Cincinnati, um, uh, you know, even the 49ers, even though, uh, you know, Purdy didn't miss, um, uh, you know, a lot of time he had you know, it's an injury to deal with. I think that that's a big part of it. And then also the fact that there are so many young quarterbacks playing who aren't ready yet, you know, and it makes a lot of this inconsistent, you know, from week to week, a lot of these teams just aren't the same because they're not getting the same quarterback play. And so I think we're just going through a transition in the league right now at that position and it will evolve. It'll take care of itself, hopefully by the playoffs. I think by the time we get to the playoffs, you're still going to see some really good play. You also see some of these, I don't want to call them old timers, but guys that we thought were done, kind of like a Russell Wilson, mm -hmm. who's coming back and, and having an incredible year, you know? So, um, and, and that's part of what I think makes the NFL so much fun. Um, I can't figure out the Broncos. I don't know where they came from, <laughs> you know, after, after the start they had. Um, but I think that, uh, you know, the quarterback play is a huge part of a lot of what we're talking about in addition to the, the yeah. questions with the, uh, uh, the officials. Yeah, you mentioned CJ. I mean, you mentioned young quarterbacks, but CJ Stroud obviously would be the opposition to that argument. Uh, he's been, well, what have your been thoughts on him? Just how well he's been playing. I mean, he could be an MVP consideration, uh, CJ Stroud. Yeah, I, I've heard that talked about the last week or two, and I don't think he's a serious MVP Either. consideration uh, because the team's not going to be good enough. And, and you know, they, they, they may make the playoffs. Uh, um, but I think that at this point, it's, it's interesting. Mahomes, I think, is ranked just 10th or 11th as a passer, but he's probably the favorite again uh, until the Chiefs uh, lose a playoff game. So, oh, well, and they're going to vote before the playoffs. So, you know, we'll see how that develops. But C.J. Stroud certainly is a story. I could not believe 
that the Chargers made Bryce Young the number one pick in, in, in the draft. I, I just, you know, a 5'10 quarterback uh, in the NFL today, you know, that's going to be a miracle if he can consistently be the guy you want him to be. And so far, he's been a lot less than that. Then you turn around and you look at Stroud, who, you know, coming out of Ohio State, you thought, yeah, you know, he's in the conversation and in that top five group. I don't know about number one overall, but the issue there was that almost no Ohio State quarterback has ever become significant in the NFL. I mean, they've had some good quarterbacks, but but not mm-hmm. franchise guys. And I think that, unfortunately and unfairly, was part of the concern about him. But certainly what you've seen so far, um, uh, he's playing as well as any quarterback in the league. You know, And I don't think anybody thought, even beyond his play, that Houston uh, had improved their defense, you know, that much. And they have, you know, they're running the football better. And so as he has emerged, the whole roster has looked better. And uh, and he's the biggest reason for it. So uh, I'm not saying he shouldn't be considered for MVP. Um, I just don't think he will because it's pretty unusual for a rookie. Uh, and especially, again, at that position if the team doesn't win more games. But we'll see how the next five weeks play out. Domingo Ryans could definitely be the coach of the year, though, for sure. Um, there's no doubt oh, yeah. about that. What about Carolina Panthers, though? I mean, are you surprised they're as bad as they are? Bryce Young has been struggling as much as he has been this year. I mean, I thought they would get at least six wins, but not, yeah, not one I, right now. I can't say I'm shocked. I, I, I didn't. Uh, understand, well, I understood it. I, I didn't agree with, you know, taking the quarterback number one. I didn't agree with starting him right away. I don't think, you know, teams are doing that more and more the last five, six years. And I just don't think that's a great idea if you look at how these guys are developing them. But it's not just that, you know, they, they weren't the worst team in the league last year. The Bears were, that's why they traded with them to get the pick, but they were you know, one of the bottom 10, you know, they did give up a lot in that trade when you think of giving up DJ Moore, um, you know, and so I didn't pick them as the worst team in the league, which they are right now, but I'm also not terribly shocked that they're struggling. You, you know, I know, and, and what's really, I think, uh, well, I shouldn't say unfair, but, uh, you know, right getting fired. Um, mm-hmm. He, according to my sources, he didn't want uh, Stroud to be uh, to be his, or yeah, to be his guy. You know, he he wasn't sure about making that yep. pick at number one. He was okay with the trade and maybe drafting a quarterback, but that wasn't his first choice. And so now, when you've got a veteran NFL head coach in his first year uh, with a new quarterback who wasn't his pick, you know, you're off to a bad start to begin with, and things have gone south from there. What's interesting about that team, though, is that when you look at Carolina their defense is playing really well. You know, I'm surprised that they're one in 10 as well as their defense is playing, but the offense has just been awful and, and finding ways to lose games. Yeah. I'm looking at the defensive leaders now and uh, yards allowed. Yeah. They're top uh, six. I think it is in yards allowed per game. So you're right. Defense for the Panthers are playing pretty well, but it is concerning for the Panthers because they don't have a first round pick next year. So, I mean, what do they do in the off season to kind of help, get their team boistered and get some help around Bryce Young. Yeah, they, they you can't write off Young yet, and I'm not writing him off. He may yeah. still prove to be a very good NFL quarterback. It's just too soon with these rookies. Um, uh, but, you know, rebuilds are tough. Uh, as you mentioned, I'm based in Chicago, and, uh, you know, obviously the Bears, one of the, uh, you know, maybe 
the most famous franchise in the league, you know, the old man created the NFL. Uh, and yet it's been 45 years since they've had a quarterback. Um, and now you've got all this with Justin Fields and everything going on with them. Um, you know, and, and so I just think when you go through these rebuilds, part of the problem these days, Jared, is, is that with media, what it's become and, and the amount of, you know, fans on the various websites, you know, whether it's, what's it called now, X uh, or, or you know, face, you know, whatever it may be, you know, fans offer these opinions and, and, and say things that it's not really clear whether they know what they're talking about or whether they heard this from somebody or it's just their opinion. And, and so there's so much questionable information out there about so many teams and so many things that I think, I think that's part of what's adding to what we were talking about at the top, you know, just the difference in the league and the difference in the game this year. And, and the reason I mentioned Chicago and the bears is that everybody wants the coach fired. Who's actually not doing a bad job in a rebuild. They want the GM fired who hasn't done a bad job. They're not. And, and they love the quarterback, even though the quarterback is doing a bad job. So it's just, you know, the way the game is being reported and covered right now. Um, I just think is, is confusing a lot of things for a lot of people, you know, particularly fans. And um, it, it, it's a big part of what we were talking about at the top, you know, just the difference in the NFL this season. Well, it's like mob mentality almost, but more in a virtual mm -hmm. sense, you know, it's just a, a, a take gets going on social, it gets going online. And if it's popular enough, everyone's going to join it. <laughs> and like you said, yeah. even if it's something that's not super validated, like a coach getting fired that shouldn't have been fired, it's, uh, if it if it sounds good enough and it sounds like everyone's on board, everyone else is going to want to be on board too. It really is like a mob mentality. What's been your thoughts? Let's switch to the AFC. I know you kind of already touched based on um, Kansas City, but what about the AFC North? Have you been surprised? I mean, just how competitive the AFC North has been. I mean, obviously Deshaun Watson, he's he's done for the Browns. Steelers have been outplayed every single game. <laughs> they are seven and four. Baltimore is nine and three. That's no surprise. But what have like let's just start with the AFC North. Like, what has been your takeaway from the AFC North so far like I'm surprised it's as uh, close as it was I thought Baltimore would be up by three four games at this point in the division but no it's still it's still anyone's to take for maybe except except the Bengals maybe but what's been your take overall for that division well I'm, I'm not surprised because I think or I thought coming into the season that those were four of the six or seven best defenses in the league and I've always been kind of a uh, you know, defense and run the football kind of guy that that's still a good way to win a lot of games in the NFL. And that's what's kept that uh, that division so so competitive uh, is those defenses. Although, again, with the Bengals, you know, obviously the, the injuries, the quarterback are, are going to kill you. But beyond that, I can't figure out why their defense has been so bad this year. Um, you know, and, and that they don't have uh, the, the same excuse for. But, you know, when you look at the Ravens and, and, and you look at the Browns, you, you know, and, and and then you know even you look at the Steelers. I mean, uh, statistically the Steelers' defense is bad, but but you know they're near the top in in points allowed and turnover takeaway, and that's going to keep you competitive. Um, I think that's why that division is still so strong. Now I I think that at this point, um, you know you can't really the Browns without a quarterback. Um, you know the Steelers just don't play enough offense. Uh, I think you got to look at the Ravens as a clear favorite to hang on and win that division. And I'm not so sure. I was talking to, to uh, Dave Wanstead, the former head coach who works on our TV show with us. We were talking about this the other day and we kind of agreed. 
I'm not so sure I wouldn't pick the Ravens in the AFC right now. I think they may be the most complete team on both sides of the football. Um, and again, they have a quarterback who, who has been playing pretty close to MVP level. So um, to me, they're the cream in that group. Um, but I think it's the defenses on those other teams that, that keep the, the conference so competitive. Yeah. So you think the Ravens might actually be the best team in the NF, uh, AFC right now, it sounds like. And I think so, too. I, I think they're very uh, – I mean, the Jaguars are currently there, too. But and you, you mentioned Kansas City. They have a lot of problems with dropping the ball. Um, Miami, though, what do you, what's your take on Miami? Because I know their biggest uh, – a lot of flack they've been getting is they haven't really been beating any good teams this year. So do you kind of uh, – you know, get a sense of Miami being a little bit flaky, especially as we head into the end of the year here and going into the playoffs? I, I really don't. I kind of go back to a W as a W and teams don't make their own schedules. So I don't think teams should be faulted for the schedules that they play. They they just, they they get that. They inherit that at the beginning of the season. And, you know, you, you got to win. And, and the thing about the Dolphins that interests me the most is that their defense is improved dramatically over the last five or six weeks. Uh, they were one of the worst defenses in the league through the first five weeks. And uh, they've been playing much better lately. They've, they've got the talent to do it. Um, uh, you know, Tua um, is one of the best quarterbacks in the league. The offense is the best offense in the league. It was ranked number one in everything until a couple of weeks ago. They've, they've slipped a little bit uh, to the threes and fours in the, in the last couple of weeks. Um, but uh you know, it was my concern about their defense that kept me from including them in the top teams in the AFC. But now, as we move towards the playoffs and the defense continues to improve, they could be a legitimate contender, too. What's this, I mean, speaking of flaky, though, like what is a shaky team that you do see on both sides, of the, what on both conferences? I mean, for me, it is it is the Eagles on the NFC. And for the AFC side, it probably would be, I mean, in my opinion, the Miami, you know, we just kind of talked about that. But is there like a flaky team that, you see going into the playoffs like you, you know you wouldn't be surprised at despite how good they are and despite how much hype they had going into this like going into the playoffs you could you you could definitely see them losing maybe the first round well you know it's interesting what you say about the eagles as an eagle fan because statistically other than their past defense which has been terrible i think 28th or 29th in the league the eagles are top 10 in almost every category on both sides of the ball. So I don't have the same concerns that you do about the Eagles. And I think that they are the most, uh, well, either them or the 49ers are the most talented team in the NFC. I think that they're both probably as talented or more than anybody in the AFC, except maybe the Ravens. Um, uh, you know, so, so to me, they're the top teams, but the team that could be the biggest prize or the biggest disappointment I'm not sure that the Detroit Lions, even though they're eight and three, are for real. Mm -hmm. And I think if you look at the last couple of weeks, you see, you know, where that concern would come from. Uh, you know, I think that they've got, you know, maybe the best offensive line in football um, and they've got uh, some difference makers, but they're not as deep as the other top teams. Um, you know, I'm trying to think other teams that, that could lose early. You know, it would surprise me. But I, as I mentioned, again, near the top, I still can't explain that 49 or three game. Yeah. You know, I don't know what happened there, but it could happen again. in the playoffs. I wouldn't think so. You know, even during the three game losing streak, Brock Purdy was still, you know, the, the number one ranked quarterback in the league. And, and, and so, um, uh, 
you know, but there's no team that jumps out. The Jaguars are, are an interesting team to me because I picked uh, Trevor Lawrence as my MVP to start the season uh, or my vote for MVP. And obviously you don't make that decision at the start, but that was a prediction. Um, and there's times when he's looked like it and there's other times when he's really struggled. And that whole team, I mean, you know, right now they're going to win that division. They've been as hot as anybody in the league after those first three or four weeks. Um, but there are, are weeks where they just don't show up, you know, yep. and, and I can't really explain that. And then also you look at them statistically and there's nowhere where they jump out at you. Um, but there is more than enough talent on that team, uh, to be a contender. Uh, but I wouldn't be shocked if they lost a first round playoff game. Yeah. I mean, on the flip side of that, I mean, what is, what's been the best, sur biggest surprise of a team? I mean, for me, like I said, I'll, we'll go through conferences again. For me, it's obviously on the NFC side. It's probably been the Lions, I would say. Um, I mean, how they've been playing this year. And then on the AFC side, I think it's hard to say it, it wouldn't be the Broncos and how they've been playing, especially these last five games. What has been like the most pleasant surprise for you as a team on each side of the, each conference? Well, I'm, I'm happy for Lions fans because it's been their whole life since they've had, you know, a top team. And, and to see them, you know, up until a couple of weeks ago, playing the way that they were uh, has, been, has been great to see. And, um, uh, you know, I, I think how can the Denver Broncos, anybody who remembers that 70 to 20 loss, you know, and, and what was it, one and four at the time, to see where that team is at now, that's just been shocking to me because uh, they didn't make roster changes. You know, they're, they're not doing anything differently. It just took them the first five, six weeks of the seasons to arrive. And now, not only are they winning these games, but look at the teams that they've been beating the last few weeks. I mean, they're, they're beating playoff teams. And, and so they apparently are for real. And, and, and that if I had to pick one, that has been the biggest surprise of the season so far for me, the way they've bounced back. What's uh, this has been awesome hub. I really appreciate your time again. Have to have you on again at uh, sometime in the future, but what has been uh, what, any predictions for the Super Bowl that you have coming up? And I, I know we kind of already been touching on it this whole interview, but uh, two teams, what are you thinking? What are you thinking right now heading into December? Uh, you could see making the Super Bowl. What's your predictions for that big game? You know, off what we've seen so far, um, there really are, are four teams for me. It's the Eagles and the 49ers and it's the Ravens and the Chiefs. Mm -hmm. uh, now we know that that's going to change a little bit uh, over these last six weeks because some things always do, but they look to be the four best teams. And, you know, I, I don't know, some people maybe want to repeat. I don't want to see the Eagles and Chiefs again. I'd rather see the 49ers and the Ravens uh, just for because it'll be different and, and, and there'll be more stories that come with it. Um, but uh Based on the way they are playing right now, I probably would have to pick the 49ers and the Ravens. Yeah, that's not a bad choice at all. Uh, and anything else you want to mention? I mean, anything else about this season that's been surprising you? You want to get off, get off your chest before we head out here? No, I, I've been more than frustrated by the whole yep. officiating thing. And we talked about that. Uh, and I know that the league is trying to, to make improvements in it. Um, I, I uh, am surprised that teams, you know, it used to be you never started a rookie quarterback. And now it's almost like automatic. If you draft them in the first round, you got to play them. And I think it's it's holding some of these kids back. Um, and, and I hope that, you know, the teams this year, there's going to be at least four, probably as many as six drafted in the first round, maybe as many as six, I should say. And I hope that teams are smart about it and that they give these kids a chance to develop before they throw them in the fire. 
Um, but beyond that, um, you know, I, I can't remember a time when there was so much outstanding talent at the wide receiver position. You know, there are so many great ones right now. And the way that running backs have been devalued makes no sense to me because I still think running the football is as important as anything in the league. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, change is constant in everything, not just the NFL. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there's nothing to worry about or nothing unusual. And I'm hoping that as we get to the playoffs, it'll be another great playoff run. Well, I mean, like I, you just alluded to it too. This quarterback room is, I mean, this quarterback draft is uh, loaded this year coming up. So yeah, five, six quarterbacks for sure will be drafted this year. And I'm not going to be surprised by that. Well, Hub, like I said, this has been awesome. Um, I have to do this again sometime, maybe in the playoffs. Have you back on. Uh, talk some, you know, talk some ball in the playoffs. Let's see how all the teams are doing. And uh, until then, I guess we'll, 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 we'll talk then, okay? All right. Great talking to you. Take care. And I look forward to talking again soon. All right, Hub. Take care. All right, guys. Let's finish up the show. Head off into the weekend. Justin, we'll start with you like we always do on Saturdays. What is your off the map of the week? My off the map of the week is the Baseball Hall of Fame ballot for next year in 2024. Two umpires are on the ballot in Eddie Montage and Joe West. Pretty controversial to put an umpire on, yeah, but there I don't believe there has been umpires on the ballot before for the Baseball Hall of Fame. So I think it's going to be very interesting to see if the committee votes for Joe West and Ed Montage for one of the two umpires to go into the Hall of Fame. No, I'm counting it now. No, there's like 10 in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> Last one, Henry O'Day in 2013, and I'm trying to see when the first one was. Uh, like, I, I didn't even know umpires were in the Hall of Fame. So, yeah, 1953. Two of them were elected in 1953. Um, Thomas Connolly and uh, if I can see the And other yet Barry Bonds and Pete Rose aren't but, in the Hall of Fame. Come but on. the umpires are. Ugh. Yeah, we have two, two next year coming up. Crazy. Uh, my off the map of the week, uh, Indiana hiring uh, Kirk Signetti as its next football coach. Uh, Indiana, of course, fired Tom Allen on Sunday, uh, day after the Hoosiers completed their third consecutive losing season. Uh, Signetti, of course, the coach of James Madison, uh, was named the 2023 Sunbelt Conference Coach of the Year on Thursday. Uh, James Madison, uh, seamless transition, it seemed like, into the FBS. Should have had a bowl game this year. That's a whole other conversation, though, of course. Led the Dukes to a 11-1 season, uh, top of the Sun Belt. Uh, led the nation in both rushing defense and tackles for loss per game and, ha and had a top 20 scoring offense and scoring defense in all of FBS, not just the Sun Belt, of course. Uh, across his uh, last five seasons, uh, Signetti has a 52-9 record at James Madison, including a 31-4 record in conference play. Um, huge, huge get for the Hoosiers. Uh, like I just said, Hoosiers had their third consecutive losing season this past season when it ended on, uh, last week. So awesome pickup for Indiana. And uh, yeah, good for Kirk Signetti. I'm happy to see and excited to see what he can do uh, with the Hoosiers in Indiana uh, next year. Zach, what is your off the map of the week? Well, it's off the map to some people, probably not you, but West Virginia choosing to keep Neil Brown for another season. I, I don't mind it necessarily because they went eight and four. I just wonder if this is the best thing for this program going forward because we've seen large stretches of mediocrity. His 30 and 29 record is the worst through five seasons of any West Virginia coach. His teams have never been ranked and they're 10 and 18 on the road. Those are not very good yeah. statistics. And you look at their eight and four record this year, who was really the best team they beat? It's hard to really pinpoint that. So I'm fine with them keeping him for another year because they probably put a win total on it before the season started and he 
probably met that total, but I still would have the seat pretty warm going into 2024. Yeah, no, it's um, yeah, exactly. I don't know who else they would really get. I don't know if they have the money to get someone else. I, it's not the t- uh, the program has been on the decline for so long now. It seems like I mean, I went to the BYU game. I know they killed BYU, but besides that, like you said, Zach, they didn't really have a much. Uh, they didn't really have a super impressive win. And, you know, a couple bad losses in there, too. So we'll see. Definitely on the hot seat, though, still going in the next season. His job is not secure by any means, even though with this new deal. Uh, Long haul. Justin, what is your long haul of the week? My long haul of the week is teams in college football and college basketball have to start using the transfer portal. The transfer portal is a thing of the present and it will be a thing of the future. Guys want to have careers in the NFL and the NBA, too. And obviously, good college careers will get that started. So schools got to start using the transfer portal. Yeah, I know. I know for I mean, college football obviously have a lot of people in the transfer portal. But kind of recently speaking, college basketball has been having a ton of players uh, more than even last year. The amount of people that have entered even recently this year has been insane. So yeah, it's uh, yeah. Definitely utilize it. I mean, it's. I know a lot of people hate it, but I'm all for it. If it's going to make a better product and better teams. Uh, my long haul of the week, um, everyone being hyped about EA Sports uh, announcing the NCAA football game or football. Yeah, fo- you know, NCAA football uh, yeah. game. Uh, it'll be released this summer. It's, it's, it's exciting, but in all likelihood, uh, the game isn't really ready to be released. It has a lot of work to do. EA still has a lot of work to do to get the NIL, NIL rights for every single player in the FBS and FCS. And their compensation package has not been great thus far. So even if the game is somehow ready, it will not be the game everyone is expecting it to be. And as a lot of kinks need to be figured out, you know, especially like I said, with these pay- players and uh, playing for these payers, name and likeness, like uh, likeness. So exciting game, exciting in theory, but it's kind of a mess that still needs to be figured out, and the hype needs uh, to subside because people are going to be very upset when the game is either delayed or not what it, consumers thought it would be. So. Maybe wait for the announcement to come out until they figure out some more of these kinks. And uh, yeah, people need to understand there's still a lot more work to do on the game before it's released this summer. Zach, finish us off. What is your long haul of the week? Uh, LeBron saying he would skip his team's game in order to watch his son's debut. And anybody who has a problem with that should get bent. Like, look, Bronny just went through a serious heart issue. There was wonder whether he was going to live or what kind of life he was going to have. If he can go out there and play basketball, LeBron should absolutely be there. And I don't care about the regular season, especially if they're not playing against a team that's all that particularly good. LeBron has put in enough time. He's been in 21 years now, played more minutes than anybody. He's the leading scorer in the history of the game. And the only people that have a problem with this are people like Skip Bayless who just hate on LeBron for no reason. There is no reason for hating. You know, that's called being a family guy, and he should want to go see his son's debut. Some things are bigger than the NBA regular season, which, as we've talked about many times before, is one of the least important regular seasons in all of sports. So LeBron skipping a Laker game to go watch his son, absolutely the right move. When, not to put you on the spot, when is it, though? I'm just I mean, uh, They haven't is. said. Do you know it's a hypothetical, or it's it. He said if they play on the same day, that's not even guaranteed to happen. True, true. Yeah. Speaking of Skip Bayless, though, who did he find a co-host yet? <laughs> well, he's <laughs> found a couple him? of them: Richard Sherman yeah. and uh, Michael Irvin. All those guys that don't let him talk, which is good for all of us. Yeah, I saw uh, the thing on. Yeah, I, I I know he had a spat with R- Richard Sherman. I, I, that that didn't seem to really work out. But yeah, he he must be a character to work with, but. Yeah. Oh, well. 
Cool though, yeah, that'll be cool. I'm I'm glad I know I'm I'm looking at it now. ESPN, Bronny cleared to play, so we'll see when when that'll be. But yeah, I agree. LeBron can do whatever he wants at this point. I mean, he's had that. He's a you know he has that title at this point. Awesome show, guys. We'll do this again on Tuesday. Um, trying to get somebody from Washington to speak on you know just the Commanders coming up in general. You know, eventually he's going to have a scoring title come up soon, and a lot to talk about with Washington working on that as well but as always break down uh nfl this past weekend the games we just previewed we'll break them all down on tuesday awesome show as always but until then we'll see you on tuesday and keep on traveling